Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Guy Shiraki, welcome back this Monday morning. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Dawn. Thank you. I, I would just uh, add to give context on West Reading. You say, well, what does that have to do in it? Um, so that's part of this congressional district, and uh, it's also a place I go. And, and for folks not familiar, I mean, we all know this type of community. I mean, this is this is Phoenixville. This is Maniunk, um, New Hope Media. This is an older town that over the last several years has gone through an amazing revitalization. It is a place that has restaurant festivals and beer festivals and has a Main Street, which is Penn Avenue. And right there where all the restaurants are, as you enter the town, is this chocolate factory. So if you know, to put it in context, I mean, it's not just a horrible loss of life, um, but but really an enormous impact in a community that is growing and rebounding and is very tight knit. The business community there um, helping each other through the pandemic. So it is it is something that touched all of us. And if you if someone doesn't know West Reading or hasn't been there to shop or eat, you know, that type of town that has sort of rebounded. Uh, and come back and to have something like this uh, makes the tragedy even even harder to bear. So I, I just wanted to share that because I'm thinking about it, and, and it's a place that my wife and I had gone long before my campaign, but spent a great deal of time in, and uh, I know how they've been impacted. Yeah, no, it's well put, and I think everybody appreciates, you know, your perspective at what, what happened at R.M. Palmer Company there in West Reading, that it's it's devastating enough if the factory, to your point, was in a more remote area with seven dead and and all of the efforts continuing. But to think of it impacting the entire district, people who've made the, the comeback, and especially post-pandemic, because I think we're all just trying to get get our lives back, and we're still not there yet in so many different aspects. So I, I appreciate your perspective. So let's talk about it and, and, and continue on with this. In other words, we're, we're post-pandemic. We're still coming out of it. We have these parental rights bills, which I think do get traction with, with the everyday person, no matter, no matter who you are, no matter what your politics. But take us through it. You know, we obviously, your, your latest article and your op-ed um, piece that's, that's really everywhere. I mean, Trib Live has picked it up. I think Broad and Liberty, I mean, Many different air, many different publications pick up your great work and your great writings, but when you talk about you know what's going to attract those swing voters 
Can you take us through it, the common trends you see and what you think um, Republicans, or I should, you know, maybe you should just say the, the party that wants to win, what do they need to look at? Yeah, it, there, there's a lot. Um, and, and, and I could approach it a lot of different ways. And, and, you know, anyone who lives in the Delaware Valley knows that Bucks County is different than Chester and Chester's different than, than Delaware. But there are common there are common themes and common threads. I mean, the first is this. Look, you've talked about it uh, in, in a variety of places. Others have. Society's changed a lot in the last 10 years. And, and things we didn't talk about, uh, things that weren't challenged are suddenly uh, things that we talk about, fight about, tweet about, and text about. Um, and most of the, the challenges to the way life has been have come from the left, have come from Democrats. A question whether capitalism is better than, uh, or socialism is cap is better than capitalism. If question the family, we're debating whether uh, it's more it's better to have school board members tell kids what to do than parents. I mean, actually questioning whether parents know enough to pick their kids' education or be involved as to whether society would be safer with less police. Um, you know, we're debating not just abortion, but whether a baby that survives an abortion can can have its life ended after delivery. I mean, so I understand why my friends who are Republican or conservative feel sort of shell shocked. Uh, everything's been questioned, but uh, as you and I have discussed before, the result has been the Republicans have just been saying, "No, no, 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 no. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. No, no, no." And and I think that we have to be aware. Republicans have to be aware. And any good party that wants to win has to be aware to not be the party of no, to offer something positive. I mean, I think I think voters understand that many of the changes we've seen in, in culture and government, we find troubling and harmful and we're opposed. But but I think we have to remember, then what? Uh, as I used to say during the campaign, I didn't go to a town hall meeting and and, and spend 20 minutes talking about inflation, the open border and crime, because everybody sitting in the audience knew that. Uh, what they were looking for is how are you going to make it better? So first and foremost is that the, the second is the region is changing demographically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are becoming more culturally diverse, more first and second generation people from whose relatives were, were from India or China uh, or Central America. And uh, the Republican Party has not done a good job reaching out to them Um and, and, and again, you know, I say it as a Republican. It, sometimes, sometimes we allow the media to make it sound as though we don't want to grow and diversify, so we have to work harder at the perception. Those are the two biggest things, is we have to tell voters what we're for, and the second have to be open and welcoming to these folks. You know, people who come here to fulfill the American dream, as first or second generation people who come hundreds, thousands of miles, sometimes from the other side of the planet, they came here for the America that, that Republicans believe in, of opportunity, the kids will do better. We just need to reach out and, and break bread and talk to these folks, and I think the majority will come with us. And third and the final point, uh, and it's a column I have in Broad Liberty uh, today, is the Republican Party has to really want to grow and not have witch hunts. Mm-hmm. Um we too often in the Republican Party the last few years have been very focused on telling other Republicans they didn't belong. Uh, each Republic, it seems as though Republican activists have a set of, you know, maybe we'll say for the sake of discussion, 10 beliefs. 
and they only want to work with Republicans that have the same identical 10 beliefs. And anyone who doesn't is a heretic and has to be chased away or castigated. Um, You know, the one thing I say about politics is that you want to see an ugly fight, you know, watch Democrats fight with each other. You want to see an ugly fight, watch Republicans. The Republicans have mastered that. So those are really the three things. One is we, we can't look to kick out. We're the minority party. We can't be looking to kick out other Republicans. The second is we have to recognize the growth and the diversity that's coming, particularly in Pennsylvania and the suburbs, and welcome these new folks. And the third is we have to tell people what we're for. If we don't tell them what we're for, if we don't offer hope, if we don't offer an alternative, they're not going to come to us. And that's just not my belief. Those are the election results for the majority of the last 20 years. Uh, We stop offering people an alternative, and they're going to vote. They're going to vote for the party that at least seems to have ideas, even if they don't agree with them. Yeah, and I I think to your point, and that was even the last election when when people said, "Oh, the the difference the difference in the vote was was the suburban women in their thirties who were voting on on the ruling by the Supreme Court, of course, on on abortion rights." But I even think it's broader than that because those are women who certainly can afford and, you know, they, they, have, a, they have an insurance plan. They, they can afford, you know, to make sure that she, they have prevention and so on and so forth. I actually think it was more what we're seeing is the, the party that seems more restrictive or more government control. I think it was a backlash in many ways of seeming unreasonable when something was taken away. There was not a replacement with a policy that would reach women who didn't have um, didn't have any other options. It was their only choice if they were, for example, assaulted. And and so to me, I see it as more a government overreach kind of vote yeah. and a rebellion against that. Do you agree? No, I think that's an excellent. I really do, Don. I think it's an excellent insight. And and the irony is, on the heels of the last three years, we're largely. Uh, national and state Democrats had increased the power of government through mandates and restrictions. Who could work and who couldn't? Who could go to school and who couldn't? Where you had to wear a mask. You had to get vaccinated. You had to show a vaccine card to a stranger just to go in and pick up a pizza. Um, you know, telling us that, that, you know, we had to change our light bulbs. Our toilet bowls had to have less water. We shouldn't have gas stoves. We can't use air conditioners. I mean, the Democratic Party has been the party looking to grow government, make it more intrusive in our lives, tell us that smart people should should dictate to us how we live, uh, whether whether, you know, two two 80 year olds are allowed to allowed to be together and sit bedside as one is dying. But heaven forbid they might get COVID. I said, well, they're, they're 85 and one is dying. Maybe you ought to let them go in and hold hands and not stand away. The irony is it was the Democratic Party who made government bigger, more intrusive, more powerful. And yet, I think you're accurate. At the end, the Republicans suffered the wrath because a voting public that was angry at government overreach and people dictating to them, when when the dust settled, it seemed as though we were the party dictating their lives mm-hmm. uh, and not giving them liberty, which was 180 degrees different than what reality had been in 2020 and 2021 and most of 2022. So to a certain extent, I think you're right. Republicans suffered from from the anger that everybody felt. But it but it was sort of, you know, at the end, the anger was directed at us instead of the party that had locked them out of work and locked them out of school and left people to die alone. And, and it's a horrible, horrible circumstance. But I think you're onto something. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I think it's, and, and we're, we're continuing our conversation here with uh, Guy Shiraki, who's a familiar, I mean, you're South Philadelphia born, and, you know, you're like my husband, Larry Menti. You started your first job in Philadelphia. You were delivering papers at a young age, busing tables, and you graduated St. Joseph's, later Villanova Law School. Um, people might not realize that as well as being a, a successful businessman, I mean, Guy, under President George W. Bush, you were appointed to serve as a regional director of HUD. So you you have this interesting, I know you were campaign manager of the Bush, Bush Cheney re-election in Pennsylvania. So you have this interesting mix of you've worked in p- private enterprise, you've worked at the, the federal level, and you understand what it takes in a campaign, a national presidential campaign, that sort of thing. And then, of course, all your business experience and, and working at the Chester County level that we've talked about with the um, with the Chamber of you know Business and Industry and that sort of thing. So I just wanted to give that perspective as your background for the unique perspective of looking at things in a, a local, state level, federal level, but as well you understand what it is to run a business and, and you're certainly keyed in on local business leaders. If you take us through and look at, and you're also a dad and father and I see a coach too, so you've kind of done it all, but when you look at that, what about the parents' rights, the parental rights legislation that we've seen proposed in Pennsylvania, Guy Shiraki, but as well on the national level, certainly with the with the House passing that recent legislation on Friday, I, I assume it'll go nowhere in the Senate, although they'll try to make it go someplace in the Senate. But that kind of legislation, how do you? What's your take on it? Yeah. Um... I appreciate it. I appreciate the trip down the trip down memory lane. I <laughs> I used to deliver the you know, I'm getting to be old so I used to deliver the evening bulletin. So first of all the evening bulletin doesn't exist and second people most people don't pick up a physical paper and read it. Uh so so sometimes I skip over that and I just remind folks I was a busboy at Ralph <laughs> which is still there and and, and thriving uh on Ninth Street. Um look here here's my takeaway. It, it's two things. Again, go back to my earlier sort of litany of the challenges to society, the way things have been changed, what has literally been challenged in the last decade. We're at a point where, in 2023, state legislators and and members of Congress believe they have to introduce legislation to to reestablish the idea that parents can be heard at school board meetings, that parents should be consulted with anything dealing with the health, safety, or welfare of their own children. So I just ask folks to pause for a second to think where we are as a society that we have to, that that legislators think they have to introduce legislation to pass a law to reestablish something that is centuries, millennia old. But second, what's positive about it is that Instead of complaining that school boards are out of control, instead of complaining that the teachers union has too much trouble, this is an attempt to explain to voters what we're for. And what we're for is resetting things the way they ought to be. The First Amendment should be alive and well. Everyone should have their opportunity to engage and talk to elected officials with no fear whatsoever. You should be able to talk to your school board members and be heard. It doesn't mean you're entitled to always get what you want, but you should always be given the opportunity to speak without threat or retribution. And secondly, 
there are almost no circumstances in which when a, when a family, when parents send their child to a school, that anything should be kept from the parents. That's almost never the I mean, except for cases of, of physical abuse. Mm-hmm. The idea that teachers would withhold private conversations they're having with the children from parents, that in some cases there's documented evidence that schools have gone out of their way to, to hatch a plan to make sure parents don't find out about what's going on. It's gotten so out of control that Congress thinks they have to pass a law to to remind school board members, to remind teachers that parents are in charge of children. That's the family unit. And parents should be consulted, engaged. If you truly, you know, and, and let's step back, just common sense. If a young if a young student is having a problem, whether whether it's academically, emotionally fitting in, or his or her sexuality, wouldn't the first person, the first people to call would be the parents? Say, what are you seeing at home? I mean, if the idea was to truly help the child, mm-hmm. rather than to push parents away, or to come back again to this idea that, that really smart people should run our lives, they should tell us how to cook our food, what medicines to take, what masks to wear, what clothes to wear, how we heat our home, and how to run our children. If you, it was really about the children, the first people who called would be the parents. It would never be keeping information away from the parents. So I think it's unfortunately necessary, but I commend the Republicans doing this because at least we're explaining to voters what we're for and what our idea of, of you know, give and take, protecting the First Amendment and protecting the right of parents. Those are two good things for Republicans to be for. And frankly, it shouldn't be partisan. I mean, it, it should not be a a partisan idea to say that the First Amendment should be respected, that elected officials should be accountable, and it should not be a Republican or a Democrat idea to say that parents are primarily responsible and in charge of the well-being of their children. It's sad that we've gotten here, but it's a good idea that Republicans say it out loud and put it in print so that voters can see it. Yeah, and I think part of it, the way I see it too, and and I'd like to hear your take, is that too often uh, even local municipalities or a party is represented by a certain figurehead. Whether that figurehead is somebody, some commentator on Fox News or, or a national figure, but when we're talking about a local election, to me it should be about the relationship between a candidate and what they're going to do for a community and what their belief system is. And so they shouldn't, to me, I just think it's a mistake to say, well, this is my team and yeah, everything they believe, I believe. And I see too much of that. And maybe that's a piece of what social media does. And so candidates are not allowed to have an individual voice. It's all about their party partisan politics rather than somebody being able to do the old fashioned stumping and, and campaigning to say, this is who I am. And I may be a little different than the national party, but this is what I believe in for our community and what, what needs to get done. Sure. Yeah. Well said. Um, when we, we take the issue of parents' rights, we take the issue of school choice of parents, you know, perhaps uh, education money being awarded, not to districts, but to parents and let parents choose. Um, not, not a hundred years ago, but in my lifetime, um, 
you know, in, in the early 2000s, in the 1990s, in the early 2000s, this was a bipartisan issue in Harrisburg. Um, there used to be, when school choice legislation was introduced in Harrisburg, there were two legislators, uh, Billy Adolph from Springfield, Delaware County, who was a Republican, and Billy Keller, who was a state representative from South Philadelphia, uh, the east side of Broad. And they would be the co-sponsors of school choice legislation. And they used to sponsor it together. And it, there's, the co-sponsors were a mix of Democrats and Republicans because there were a variety. And it was a coalition. It was, was people sending their kids to Catholic school that felt as though they were paying twice for education. It was uh, legislators who represented poorer communities that had bad or underperforming schools that wanted to help rescue those children. And uh, some of the leading voices were, were Democratic legislators from Philadelphia, like now Congressman Dwight Evans, who used to be a state representative from Philadelphia, uh, Senator, State Senator Tony Williams, who was a state House member and now represents Southwest Philly and part of Delaware County. They were among the leading voices before this idea that you talked about that suddenly it became, you know, it's as if there were it's like there was a draft and there were a group of issues up on the draft board and the Democrats draft, you know, picked a whole bunch of issues and the Republicans picked a whole bunch of issues. And then we just clash and you're, you're not allowed to pick from column A and column B anymore. Uh, and, and that's a shame. Uh, it's a particularly a shame uh, from my perspective because a lot of the children that need help are, are in communities uh, where Democrats uh, or outnumber Republicans and those are the children that need the most help. And some of those legislators, frankly, are afraid or apprehensive uh, from being supporters of school choice or charter schools because their party doesn't allow it or accept it. Um, and where there really could be some good bipartisan and suburban, urban, rural coalitions built, it all too often falls into sort of partisan left, right, good, bad, red, red and blue. Uh, and the ones who wind up losing out in the end are the children. Uh, and we as a society lose out because every time a child trapped in a bad school and she doesn't get the education mm -hmm. she needs, the child loses, her family loses, her community loses, we all lose out. So you're right. Uh, unfortunately, there is this sort of, you know, if you're a Republican, you have to believe in A, B, and C. And if you're a Democrat, you have to believe the opposite of A, B, and C. And never the two shall meet. Uh, that's why when we see places or issues where people work together, uh, we should commend it. And, and look, when it, it, you know, we should try to also, you know, I've talked about this in, in, in other venues, that try and get them back talking about things we talk about at the kitchen table. Uh, so many of the hot button issues where we're screaming at each other are issues that most people aren't talking about at their kitchen table. Uh, I think most parents are concerned about whether their children are learning, whether they're learning how to read, how to write, and, and will be in a position to find meaningful work, provide for themselves and their family. And I think most parents are less engaged in these fights over, uh, uh, you know, books on the shelves or which bathroom their, their child uses at school. We get pulled into these fights, and those issues are important. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think we would all do better if, if the attention was put back on academics and the yeah. children getting along, and we didn't have policymakers sort of ripping us apart on these cultural issues. Yeah. Uh, every child in a middle school 
needs to learn how to read and write. Yeah. Every one of them needs how to think. Even Every one of them needs to learn how to collaborate. Uh, that's something that applies to 100% of the student body, and that's where the focus should be. Instead of tearing us apart over what, what may be uh, little or no representation of what's actually going on in the student well body. But we're well falling into this partisan split, we've got to find a way to bring it together. Well said. Well, Guy Shiraki, thank you so much for your insights. We hope we can count on you again to kind of uh, tap into your brain of what, you know, and take your pulse as far as what's going on. Guy Shiraki, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you. Thanks, Dylan. Have a great day. Y'all, take you have, care. You have a great Monday. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.